0: Hello, and welcome to the Sharpening the Wedge edition of Political Traction. I'm your host, Amanda Galbraith. Here we are at the end of week one, when, by coincidence, all three party leaders were campaigning across the prairies. I spoke to a friend of the pod an eagle-eyed embed aboard the Liberal bus, Marika Walsh. We talked about how the Liberals are struggling with the rollout of their marquee policy and why the campaign is still struggling to sharpen the wedge and justify this election call. Plus, when we think the campaign will finally pick up the pace and the complexities of road tripping in a pandemic, this is Political Traction. Great right, Marika, thanks for joining us. Where do you Where do you come to us from today?
1: Today, I am in Winnipeg after stopping or leaving Vancouver yesterday, hitting up Victoria, going to Calgary, and then landing in Winnipeg late last night, uh, also where Erin O'Toole's campaign is going to be. So I'm with the Liberals, but actually all three main parties are in the prairies on day six of the campaign.
0: And how, um, why, okay, I have two questions, like what brings them all to the prairies at the exact same time? Um, but how has it been going? Like, is it been fun? Are you exhausted? Um, what's it like being crossing Canada again, you know, during a campaign?
1: I have to say I'm loving crossing Canada again. <laughs>
0: um,
1: after 17 months of phone press conferences in Ottawa, it is a very welcome change. It's been a lot of fun, I think, for journalists. I think in terms of the politics of the campaign and the dynamics of the campaign, I think the liberals have struggled a bit in part because Afghanistan has dominated so much. And we didn't see this in the 2019 election. We didn't see such a disruptive issue take hold in the in the first beginning of the election last time. And, and it's a hard pivot to go from talking about a humanitarian crisis um, to talking about, you know, the Liberal Party and and re-election.
0: Yeah, that has struck me as well, and I've been doing. I feel like all I do is media, <laughs> I'm talking a lot. No one needs to hear my opinion anymore. But I I felt that one. I think it's important that Afghanistan should be on the front page because it is a huge crisis and something as a country we need to address. And we should, I think, press the government on personally. Uh, but the other piece is, it's felt like the Liberals. Correct me if I'm wrong, but. I don't feel like I have a cogent answer to why we're doing this yet. Like, I don't, I don't feel like there's a ballot question there. And I, Mm -hmm. it strikes me that the liberal campaign thus far has kind of struggled to articulate it other than like, look, what a great job we did managing Mm -hmm. the pandemic. Don't you want us to keep doing it? I'm like, I don't think that's enough to call this, but have I missed something or have they come out clearly? have, Have you heard a clear ballot question on the hustings this week that we haven't, we've missed or I've missed?
1: I think they're working on sharpening that up now. I think they're still working on it, to be honest. I think that we heard um, Justin Trudeau on Thursday night in Calgary. That was one of his first real stump speeches because he was actually at a rally for the first time. It was smaller, obviously. And I think part of it is that they see more differences between themselves and the conservatives. And they've been able to articulate and explain to the public And some of the big differences that they've tried to um, make the most of or or capitalize on early on have not really quite worked out. So I'm thinking about the vaccine mandate, for example, where the liberals themselves have made this uh, a marquee policy, but also aren't really able to yet explain that marquee policy. So it's a bit more difficult to make that a wedge when it's unclear how you'll enforce something, what actually will be the parameters around it. Justin Trudeau became more and more unequivocal about it in the week ahead in this week, but certainly that would be an example where they haven't been able to really make that wedge as sharp as I think they want it. And I think that Justin Trudeau has also set the bar high for for that reason because he compared this election to 1945 and he has called this a pivotal moment and a momentous moment. And so, and you're expecting to make a really big decision, I think.
0: And can I ask, like, you know, we were watching the coverage, I think lots of folks and you've been doing a great job and and others have, but what's the mood um, on the like the liberal bus and liberal campaign? Because I I like I've been in central, I've never actually been on the road, but I've been in central campaign for 04 and 06, uh, conservative elections and Like the mood is really important and -hmm. tells you a lot about what's going on. So what's Mm -hmm. it been like behind the scenes? Are they jovial? Are staffers Mm -hmm. kind of running around stressed about Afghanistan? Like what's happening behind the scenes?
1: So there's a few things. It's actually a lot more difficult right now in a pandemic to gauge some of these things because there is more distance and the events are smaller. Uh, They can be more intimate, but they're also just a lot more contained and controlled. I think that the staff seemed a bit more um, maybe on edge after Justin Trudeau had an unforced error in his answer on inflation on Wednesday. Um, But generally speaking, the media bus, I have to say, has been pretty upbeat and pretty, um, you know, go along to get along. I wouldn't say that there's been any sort of really intense moments or anything like that. It's also week one. Um and so it's <laughs> people the middle don't of the summer. <laughs> people people don't smell yet, you know, it's day six of Tired instead of day 25 of Tired. Um, and so I think that all of these things are still settling out and work themselves out. And I kind of feel to be honest, that this is almost like a, a dry run of the election and that really once September hits is when when the rubber is really going to hit the road, at least in how, um, campaigns are operating. Obviously we're in the election. I'm in Winnipeg right now only for that reason. But I think that there does seem to be a bit of a sense of a slower start and a bit of a sense that not yet everybody is paying attention to this election.
0: Yeah. And what, um, so you mentioned listed a whole bunch of cities that you're traveling to and are those ridings the liberals hold? Or are those ridings that are swings? Like where mm-hmm. what are they targeting early on? So what they've done this week is they have hit all of the
1: regions, all of the specific areas where they believe they can pick up seats. And so that's the suburbs of Quebec. That's the lower mainland in BC. They went to ridings where they lost in 2019 in one case and where it's a three-way split in another case. They went to Markham, the GTA. Um, they swung through Aurora, which, of course, is Leona Alislev's riding, who won for the Liberals in 2015 and then won for the Conservatives in 2019. So they've really focused the week, this week on their target ridings. It's been much more of a focused campaign on, on the margins of sort of the electoral map rather than a sweeping campaign on a message to the country as much, I think. They're still building that in. But clearly, strategically, where they're going and where they're putting the, the liberal leader in person is about where they hope to pick up.
0: And you mentioned kind of they're traveling around and doing stuff. The interesting part of this, I don't think a lot of people there's been a bit of reporting about it is the conservative campaign is not mm-hmm. traveling as much. In fact, they've built this massive studio um, and Aaron O'Toole is doing sort of live you know, town halls and things with either undecideds or supporters What has been, what's the contrast between those two? Like, I know your colleagues are covering that, but what's that been like for the media to kind of have those two juxtaposed against one another?
1: It makes it more difficult in a way to compare the campaigns, right? Because they are so different. In one sense, it's a very interesting experiment. We often see Aaron O'Toole alone in the images. Yes, there is an MP who's moderating with him, but the MP is sitting kitty corner to O'Toole, not beside. At the events, he is often standing alone. The the campaign really seems to be built around Aaron O'Toole. He had an event in Ottawa or the suburbs of Ottawa on Thursday, where again, he's standing alone. That's in a big contrast to the prime minister, even during elections, or excuse me, even during a pandemic. And maybe that's in part to highlight the fact that we are still in a pandemic, because we have certainly seen the liberal campaign struggle a bit more with um, the optics of it. So for example, I think a perfect example of of how this is going is last night in Calgary, you know, every household was standing in a circle with masks on outside. (laughs) And then- Justin Trudeau and, and the local candidate walk in, they're both wearing masks. They seem to be kind of trying to keep their distance and they get on stage. One keeps their mask on while the other's speaking. But then at the end, they're like hands in the air, holding hands, no masks on. And so I think that there is, and I'm not saying that they're doing something wrong. I'm just saying there is, there is a, a, an issue of optics that I think they're still trying to work out as to how comfortable they are showing no masks, how comfortable they are with human contact right now. And obviously in a campaign, that's very challenging.
0: Yeah, well, no, because the, like one of the things I said going into this is like Trudeau's an incredible campaign, like visually, right? The, especially the liberal tour, which is the people behind the scenes that run, like put all those pictures together, are very good at it uh, and very good at what they do. So it's gotta be interesting. It can be interesting to see how they shape those photos that have sold so much to the PM when they aren't supposed to be having him hugging and touching and being surrounded by adoring fans. Right. So it's a, it's, it's a stark contrast. So you- yeah, and we
1: did see, I, I do want to say like,
0: yeah, Aaron O'Toole
1: did have um, a rally in Richmond Hill. There were lots of people, they were inside, they were wearing masks and Jugmeet Singh, you know, had a rally in Edmonton on Thursday and they're also surrounded by people. I think the reporters on the ground there were saying about 200 people, Uh, And so every campaign is struggling with this. I just think the conservative campaign is making more of an effort to show it's a pandemic election. And they're also, I think they think that these telephone town halls are not Zoom town halls. You're literally just on the phone with the leader. Um, (laughs) They're saying that it's connecting with tens of thousands of people. As a journalist, I'm very skeptical of that number because I don't get to see that number in any real way other than what the party tells me but they also see that as an upside for them it's not that they're just doing this because of the pandemic
0: yeah and I was I'm not throwing shade at any of the, the campaigns for I, I can't imagine campaigning during a pandemic I mean obviously the liberals actively chose to do this but um it's got to be difficult so and so you're with the liberal how, so I was working on the scene so you each of the globe people are assigned to different campaigns so you're with the liberals this week. And then where are you next week?
1: So we are assigning reporters to the conservative and liberal campaigns at the beginning. So I'm with the liberals this week and then the conservatives next week. Uh, Whether that means I'll just be in Ottawa, it's it's unclear how much time (laughs) I'll still be spending in Ottawa. And then the rest of the time, I'm in Ottawa, and then other reporters will cycle through. And then I think we'll also be with the NDP later on in the campaign. And we also have some people uh, tracking the block in Quebec, because of course, it's a whole other it's a whole other dynamic in Quebec. It's a different competition. It's a different opponent for the Liberals, and different races because of that. Um, so yeah, it's really just uh, you pack your bags for six days on 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 Saturday night and you don't know where you're going. And uh, hopefully you just have the right assortment of clothing. I didn't quite succeed at that this no. week, Amanda, but um, luckily a few reporters have helped me out with a puffer jacket, so <laughs> oh, we're yeah. good. It's a bit chilly in Calgary.
0: Um, there's a tradition of naming the buses or mm-hmm. the campaign. Have you guys, have there been names yet or no?
1: We actually were talking about that last night. I don't think that anything was finalized Uh Uh, but names that were in contention were rapid air because we take a nose swab every morning to start the day (laughs) a rapid test and another one was necessary because the election was necessary according (laughs) to the liberals i like but i might be speaking out of turn hopefully uh you know it's not it's not firm yet but that was that was the latest as of last night
0: um Awesome. Well, I know, uh, you have to run to, uh, get on a plane, train, or automobile. So we will, uh, leave a mix you... of
1: all of them today.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, but thank you for, thanks for checking in on the campaign, Marika. I hope you get a little bit of rest. Um, and, uh, we will continue to watch your awesome report.
1: Thanks so much. It's always fun to be out of Ottawa.
0: Political traction is powered by Navigator, Canada's leading high-stakes public affairs firm. This season, we're going to be all about the ongoing federal election. For more coverage and analysis, visit our election centre at navltd.com forward slash ELXN44. Our show is produced by Simon Breton, Hunter Nifton, John Gardner, Kimberly Drapak, and Carolyn Svonkin. A very special thank you goes out to this week's guest, Marika Walsh. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to tell your friends about Navigator's Election Center. You can also follow us on Twitter at Traction Poly. I'm your host, Amanda Galbraith. We'll see you next Friday.